Good, good morning. So, I uh, don't know whether you've seen, whether you watch YouTube, there's some very entertaining stuff, some very unentertaining or unedifying stuff on YouTube, as as always takes the place with media, but, ah look, this is just buffering off the internet, and... um, but there was a great quote. Look at this guy. Um, I think, Megan, you circulated. Was it you? Somebody, I saw this line. Those who dance are considered insane by those who cannot hear the music. It was you. And uh, so, oh, it's buffering again. I don't know. Just leave it. It'll, it'll get. So you can see this guy. He's a famous street sweeper in Chiswick. And, uh, and he dances while he's clearing the litter off the streets. And um, so, uh, and I guess if you were just go driving along or walking along, you'd think that guy's on something, wouldn't you? Um, or you might wonder what music he's listening to. But is it just possible we're not hearing the music? Because I think something, I want to pick up on what Steph and Megan have shared with us this morning, and which is along the lines that... They've heard the music of God's love and that God so loves the world that he sent his only son. And uh, so this week I also read something by uh, one of the the, the public relations manager at Christians Against Poverty. Christians Against Poverty is a charity based in Bradford but working all across Britain helping people in debt. And um, the person, this PR, Marianne, she's called, she was referring to the Grenfell Fire and the terrible, obviously, events there, and she said that about that week, they had a report in that concerning Christians against, po- Christians against Poverty clients that one in ten of them have no bed. Right? One in ten of the people going to CAP for help with their debts don't even have a bed. And uh, also, this last week, we worked with Trust or Trust with our food bank. Uh, the warehouse for the food bank is the other side of the wall there, and um, again, they've had 18 months of research done by Oxford University into the users of food banks all across the nation. And what that showed, if there's a slide about this, we can move on to this next slide, uh, is that three facts. This was just, there was many facts to do with the people who use food banks. Because you sometimes get stuff in the press telling you, oh, we don't really need food banks. People don't need food banks and stuff like that. But there was, this research was very solid. I can send you links to this. And, uh, for example, with respect to people with ill health, three-quarters of the households using food banks contain someone with a health condition or disability. One-third of households include somebody with a mental health condition. Uh, I thought the third bullet point was perhaps the most telling. Compared with the profile of low-income households in the UK the households of food bank users are almost three times more likely to contain someone with a disability. So that tells you actually the difficulty that disabled people have and the the, the gaps they fall in in the benefit system, which means they end up... uh, And there is increasing use of food banks and certainly of our food bank as well. God so loved the world. Sometimes people say, now if God's so loving, why doesn't he do something? Well, you know, he has done something. He sent Jesus. And if you read the Gospels, you find Jesus did amazing stuff. He healed people. He helped people. He taught them great things. And you say, well, he isn't here now doing that. No, because he went up to heaven and then he sent his Holy Spirit on people who followed him and said, now you go and do the work. 
Right? So God has done something about injustice and poverty and, and suffering in the world. He's, he, he told us we've got to go and do something. That's why he put Adam and Eve on the earth in the first place. He told them, you're my representatives. Represent my rule in the earth. And this is, when we return to Christ, we're being restored to that place of representing his rule in the earth, of going to Japan to help these, uh, to seek to help people who shut themselves up in their homes and locked themselves away and, and these countless other things to help victims of rape, to help victims of domestic violence, to feed people who are hungry and, um, and to tell them about Christ. And that's why um, most of the food banks in Britain are run by it on a Christian basis. It's why Christians, across, going back through history, and this has often been rubbed out, Christians started schools, Christians started hospitals. These things often were started by Christians. So this work has been entrusted to us. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? It's a bit frightening because I kind of think, God, if you, why would you entrust me with this enormous task? I don't know whether, what you feel about that, but he has given us this task. And this, it, to the extent we don't engage with that task, maybe it's because we're not hearing the music. Or to the extent we see somebody else dancing by helping the hungry or uh, to help parents to improve how they're parenting, to the extent we don't understand that, it's because we're not hearing the music. Uh, Many years ago, a, a, a lady from our church called Alice went to work in West Africa for many years. Many of us remember her. And she was a doctor at St. Peter's Hospital. She was actually the pediatrician on duty when my young oldest daughter was born and checked her over. But then she went off and worked in West Africa. She is now back in Britain. She and her husband, Clive, live in Guildford, and she's working at Royal Surrey Hospital as a doctor again. But for many years, she didn't serve as a doctor. She was preaching the gospel. And I remember telling her old family friend about this, and he said, oh, what a waste. That was his comment. What a waste. Whereas, actually, I would say, no, she was dancing to music you can't hear. The music of the gospel, the music of the love of God, which is expressed through being a doctor as well. It's not that that's exclusive, but that there are other ways of expressing that love. Now, God so loved the world that he wants to do good in the world. I don't know whether you see this, but there's quite often stuff in the press against the foreign aid budget of the United Kingdom. Um, so these are some of the headlines. There's, there's a particular newspaper that campaigns about this. And uh, I want to say as a Christian, I'm really proud of our government for setting such a high uh, example in the world of giving foreign aid. Now, you can say, oh, it's probably not being spent perfectly. Well, that's probably true, but do you even spend your household money perfectly? Well, I don't. You know, I buy something and forget I bought it, and by the time I realize I need to do that repair, the glue has gone hard and I can't use it, and I've got to buy it again. Do, you, do, you, do anything, anyone else have things happen like this? So I'm really proud of the... Uh, of the uh, of David Cameron and Theresa May, disagreements with them about other things, but about this I'm really proud that they have uh, gone after giving foreign aid at the level at which Britain does it, and I'm very proud of that, and I think that's a good thing. God so loved the world, he wants us to share. We're a wealthy country, and uh, I know there are poor people here as well, but there are others much with, with much less. And I believe it's a good thing to do. You may disagree. But um, God so loved the world. Even as a church, of the funds we receive, we give away, um, uh, I think it's well over 10% 
So there's a table of grants here of, of some of the things we gave to in the year up to the end of March this year out of funds. So it totals just over £22,000. That's not counting money we gave away in the UK. Um, so these are to support different things. So we're part of this network of churches called Catalyst. Most of the churches in Catalyst are actually in the Russian-speaking world or the Muslim world. Sorry, the writing's really tiny because there's so many different lines. But I can circulate this. You're welcome to have a copy. And uh, will probably be shared at the AGM anyway later on in the year. But it's something we have a heart for. So when you give to our church, it isn't just used to fund, say, pay my wages or help fund stuff we do. We're sending this overseas as well because we, the love of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he's sending us to the world. The, the, the scripture shows that God cares for the whole world. And because we feel so loved, that love overflows towards others. And so uh, the... Uh, I won't list all these things here, but we, we help support a clinic in Lesotho. It's a very impoverished country, and through the link that Cornelis built there, and just, it's just over the border from where Yolanda is working and teaching in the school in South Africa in Clarence. And so these are good things, and that, that, that they are making a material difference to people's lives because we care about, we want to save people from hell, but we want to save people from hellish circumstances as well. And that's the heart that, that Christians have. And so we have an open heart. That's why we care about all the nations and, um, and give in this way. So your giving is a participation in these things. And it's because God the Father so loves the world. Because we know when it says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that the God, it means God the Father so loved the world because it goes on that he gave his only son. Right? So it's, it's God the Father loves the world. Sometimes people say, well, God the Father is the angry one and Jesus is the kind one. No, God the Father loves the world. Right? God the Father is just as loving as God the Son. And so the Bible, the God described in the Bible, he loves Muslims. We do need to emphasize this. He loves Muslims. Do you know he loves jihadists? He loves suicide bombers. That is the truth. God loves everyone. He so loves the world that he sent it. He doesn't love the, what they do, but he loves such people. He loves ISIS Muslims. He loves Hindus. He loves Buddhists. He loves Jews. He loves atheists. He loves communists and capitalists. He loves gypsies and paedophiles. I don't know any group of people you think that you're not sure you like or I'm not sure I like. He, he loves far-right extremists. He loves your neighbors who are noisy. He loves people traffickers and anti-globalist protesters. He loves Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean, God is amazing, isn't he? And it's, you know, sometimes it's useful to think through these things of the people God loves. You know, he loves... He loves people who work in gambling shops. He loves, he loves prostitutes. He loves people traffickers. He loves un uneducated people. He loves smokers. He loves drag drug addicts. He actually loves educated people as well. And uh, university professors. He loves burglars and murderers. He loves doctors and nurses and firefighters and police officers. He also loves corrupt police officers. Isn't this true? God loves... God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He even loves bankers and estate agents. 
I mean, fill in the blank. God loves people. So even you are loved by God. That's why we sing such songs. Oh, how he loves us. Because we so often feel that there are some people who are beyond God's love. But that is not true. And so that's why we, we, we care for mission in our own local community, whether it's food bank or healing on the streets or parenting, eat well, spend less little lights, whatever different things are happening. Forgive me if I've missed mentioning something that is precious to you. This is because we care, and it's also why we fund stuff that happens overseas that seems a long way away. And if you are experiencing something of the love of God yourself, then, friends, I want you to know that God wants you to share in his care for his whole world. Because he so loved the world, we also begin to love the world. And you can't, each one of us cannot love all of the world all at once, agreed? But we can love, make a difference for somebody's world, and that's what we must do. But I find my heart, I'm a very cold, selfish person, I'm sure, a lot of the time. But, you know, I see an ambulance with the blue lights on, and I, just, and I often will think, oh, Father, whoever's in that ambulance, I pray for your blessing on them. Or if they're going somewhere somewhere to help somebody i pray for that person where they're going would you heal them would you bring send your holy spirit there we can just start to pray you hear the news you read the paper you can just think oh no what a terror or you can just pray something there and then and bring it up to father because the scripture says be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication make your requests known to god and this is the opportunity we have so at least we can pray will we pray for meg and steph Right for Meg, literally in these next few weeks, will we pray for her? She's brought this to our attention. She's going in our our behalf, as it were. She's going for Christ, but she's going from us to Japan. We, as it were, are participating in God's love to Japan as our sister goes, and we can support her. She'd probably be glad of a gift of some money as well. I wouldn't be surprised. It's, it's expensive to go all the way to Japan, okay? Or, or whatever. How can we support our sister? We may not go to Japan, but we can love Japan. We can love some Japanese people through Meg. We have that opportunity because of the way God is speaking to Meg about Japan. And with Steph going to South Africa, we have an opportunity to stand with her. As we stand already, as you saw in the table, with Yolanda as one of the members of the church here, working long term as a teacher down in South Africa. So we engage by praying, by giving, and perhaps by going, or in a variety of other ways. Now these people don't go because they want a hard life. They go because... They want a life devoted to where Jesus takes them. And that's actually a very joyful life. So, are we hearing the music? These people are hearing the music. Now, Meg put me in touch with some good websites with a couple of maps on. So, I'd like to pop this, this map up. So, this map, you might not be able to read the writing, but the, the blue countries are where then the growth of evangelical Christians is faster. Oops, something twanged there. Oh, I'm snagged, am I? Oh, great. That's good. Thank you. Thanks, Jenny. Um, is, um, is where the growth of evangelical Christians is exceeding the growth of the population. So where it's blue, that's a positive story. Agreed? I mean, it'd be nice if they were growing even more, but that's a very positive story because there's a lot of blue up there. Do you agree? So, so that, that is very positive. The, the yellow, which includes 
Britain and Scotland and Wales, sorry, England, Scotland and Wales, that's where uh, evangelical growth is slower than the growth in the population. So that's where we could do with, 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 with that, that's a bit disappointing, isn't it? And the red, that's the worst, that's decreasing evangelical population. In other words, the actual numbers are decreasing. So Japan is one of those countries, but there's also spotted around the Falkland Islands is there. Is it Georgia? I think that country there, I'm not quite sure. Um, and Finland and Sweden, in fact. So that's, a, that's, a, that's not at all good, is it? So we really want to see some uh, development there. Now, there's another map to show you as well. So this one shows the people groups. Because you know, Jesus says uh, he sends us to the nations. The nations doesn't mean things like England, Wales, Nigeria, China. It means the people groups. And some, many nations have hundreds of people groups in them. So uh, this represents people groups that are reached or unreached uh, and to what extent they are. And you can see there's a big band of... Here, the red is places where there are a lot of people groups for whom there are either no known Christians or very few known Christians among them or churches. And so there is need for uh, active work of mission to go to these countries. It was, I found it helpful. I'd... Well, on holiday, I was thinking about what I'd speak about today, and I felt uh, this is the thing. Uh, God so loves the world, his heart for the whole world. And then came back and realized Megan was about to go, and I'd agreed with Steph to share this morning. I thought, oh, yeah, this is the theme for today. God so loves the world. It was a good reminder to me. What, what were the tasks that lies before us and, uh, and the heart of God that beats for this world? because he loves men and women and boys and girls all over this world. He loves the victims and he loves the culprits. That is the grace of God. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want to be part of this revolution. And we can play a part. And the truth is, imagine that there was a very, very long ladder that stretched the whole of Guildford Street out here and was one continuous construction and we needed to move it. And there was a hundred of us to move that one ladder... Yes, And imagine if 99 of us went right up to this end near St. Peter's Church to pick up that end and one went to the other end to pick up the other end. Wouldn't you, quite a few of you would want to start shouting out, oh, wait a minute, wait, 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 we need to, and you'd want to try and start organizing people to spread out. Isn't, wouldn't that happen? You'd think, oh, this is stupid. You'd be at least mumbling. You'd be at least thinking, oh, this is stupid, and, and stuff like that. But actually, when you analyze the way we uh, apply the, the money that Christians spend and Christian ministry, it's, that's more or less how it's applied in the world today. Most, of, most Christian money and ministry is spent where there already are a lot of Christians and where there are very few, like in J Japan and such like, almost no resources are expended. So it's like we have one person at one end of the ladder and 99 at the other. And that's mad. So um, it's so good that, Meg, you're going to Japan, that God's been speaking to you. Now, that's not to belittle those who are called in other ways. We each have our different calling, and we're not to look down on our own calling. But we can appeal to Father. Jesus said we should ask the Father to send laborers into his harvest field. And we want to fulfill his commission and command that we take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So we want to be part of 
a relovution, right? A revolution. There's a uh, this this slide now. So I've got a little five-minute video clip here, which talks through something of this imbalance of resources, because I think it's important we're aware of these uh, realities, because we can get very focused in our little local situation, and it's good to lift our eyes up and think, this is an American film, so it refers to some American stuff, but I think it makes the point powerfully, and hopefully the technicals will all work now, and we'll get to watch this short film. It's about five minutes. Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. He also promised us that only after we accomplish that task will we receive the blessing of His return. So, how are we doing accomplishing our mission? To answer that, let's classify the 7 billion people on the earth today into three groups. Let's start with the Christians. About 33% of the world's population would identify itself as Christian. We call this segment of the population World C. C for Christian. It's important to remember that not all of the people that fall into World C are true believers in Christ. They merely identify themselves as Christian because of nominal belief in Jesus or because they live in a country where everyone is considered Christian, so they would do the same. Next. There's the 38% of the world that has access to the gospel but has chosen not to follow Jesus. They have Bibles in their language, churches nearby, friends or co-workers who are potentially Christians, or access to other Christian resources in their language. These people have access to the good news but just haven't acted on it yet. This segment of the population is called World B. That leaves us with 29% of the world just over one out of every four people on this planet who not only have never heard of Jesus, they have no chance of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. They have no access to the gospel, no Bibles, no churches, no believers nearby, no chance to learn about Jesus. We call that 29% World A. Now on to missionaries. Only one out of every 1,800 Christians in World C decides to serve as a cross-cultural missionary. So we can pull 400,000 missionaries out of that World Sea population. That's our total cross-cultural missionary force worldwide. Did you know that 72% of all our missionaries are going to World Sea? That's right. The vast majority of the missionaries being sent out are going to the people of the world that have Bibles and established churches. 25% of the missionaries are sent to World B, where there is already some access to the church and to the Bible. That leaves only 3% of the total missionary force to handle all of World A, the section of the population without any chance of hearing about Jesus. 29% of the world has no way to hear the gospel, but we're sending only a tiny portion of our Christian workers to them. What about finances? Annually, all those Christians in World C earn a total of $42 trillion. And together, they give about $700 billion to Christian causes each year. That includes everything Christian nonprofits, churches, youth programs, missions, etc. Can you do the math? Less than 2% of Christian income is being given to Christ's causes. Out of that 700 billion given to all Christian causes, only 45 billion is given to missions specifically. That's a little over 6%. In fact, there is more money reported embezzled from the church each year than is given to missions. Remember those 400,000 missionaries? We have $45 billion to support them and their cross-cultural work. But how exactly is it allocated? Well, 
$39 billion goes to World Sea every year. Yep, 87% of that mission's money is being spent in areas of the world that have Bibles and churches available. $5.4 billion, or 12%, goes to World B each year, those that have access to the gospel message but have rejected it. That leaves only $450 million, or 1% of all missions' money, going to World A, the least reached people of the world. To put that into perspective, annually Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than get sent to World A. To summarize, only 3% of our missionary force, armed with only 1% of missions giving, is going out to reach the 2 billion people who don't have access to the gospel. Two billion people are still waiting for the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's a question for you. What are you going to do to change that? It's a bit sobering, isn't it? And... Um... And so it makes me glad that we spend some money helping to fund Jonathan and Wendy Vandenbroek who are involved with Wycliffe translating the scripture because to reach those unreached people group, we want to give them the scripture in their mother languages. It's good, isn't it? And it's good that we work with Chinese church support ministries. There's many unreached peoples in China, but God is moving in China. Do you know on average every day 10,000 people turn to Christ in China? And so in the last sort of 40 years, the number of Christians in China has increased from about 1 million to an estimate of about 100 million converts in China. So thank God for that, hey? Do you know the two countries in the world with the fastest growth amongst evangelical Christians in double figures, I wonder what you'd guess they would be. I'll just tell you because otherwise we'll have a lot of guessing. Right? The two countries with the highest growth rate of evangelical Christianity, Iran and Afghanistan. God is moving. Right? We are working as in, in Catalyst, in Muslim-speaking countries. There's a, great, there's a great move of God with Muslims turning to Christ. There's, of course, the numbers are still very, very small, but God is working. And um, but the, but we need to kind of send resources, and so I'm so glad that we can be part of Catalyst and send resources to help. You know, and, and to hear reports of plans, you know, the Christians, there's a Christian church in Baghdad that with which we're in contact through Catalyst. Um, it's amazing, isn't it, to be a Christian in that kind of environment. Um, I know someone from the Man- one of the Man- churches in Manchester went and felt led to work in Iraq, and she's married an Iraqi. To imagine being a Christian in Iraq, you know, it's, it's this really bold thing as a Westerner. But people lead us. Now, this may not be your call, but if it's not your call to go, it must be your call to pray. And you know, some of you gather once a month with Christians from other churches. You pray for the persecuted church. That's a good thing, isn't it? Because in many of these countries that are largely unreached, Christians are persecuted. So this is really important work, and I want to encourage us, because we are doing this series about the Father heart of God and the Father, God being our Father, And he loves us so much. But you know, he doesn't just love you and me. He loves so many other people. And he loves those obnoxious neighbours you have, or that really difficult boss. And he loves all these people in these other countries as well. So may God...
bless us in that. So let's just, let's just read that passage, For God so loved the world, from, from just jump a few slides on elsewhere, to John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only, his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Isn't that wonderful? It's like recently Adrian Horner was preaching with us, and some of you remember, he talked about the house of judgment or the house of mercy. This is God telling us, you know, he's building a house of mercy. Whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, is not condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's only begotten Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. We sang that actually in a song earlier, the song about your love is chasing after me. And so often we like to stay in the dark, but God is helping us to realize that because he loves us, we can come into his light. Isn't that wonderful? This is the verdict. But then verse 20, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Fear controls us. And, but we have the love of God that casts out fear so that people can turn to Christ. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly. I don't know about you, but I tend to go through life thinking I'm the good guy. You know, all the situations I'm in, I'm the good guy. The other people, they're the difficult ones, but I'm the good guy. And um, they've done a TV show of a, what, Cass Morgan's book, The 100. And in one of the, in one of the characters in that uh, book called Bellamy Blake, at one point he's made some decisions which have turned out rather badly. And he comes to this realization. He says, what do you do when you realize you are not the good guy? Speaking about himself. And there's a sense in which we all have to come to that place, don't we? To receive this love of God, to come to that place where we need to realize, actually, I'm not the good guy and I need forgiveness. Because it's so easy for us to label other people, you know, ISIS or these people would be difficult for God to love them. But actually, it's just as difficult for God to love me as it is for him to love anyone else in the world. Because when it tells us here, for God so loved the world... The amazing thing is not, wow, God so loved the world. The world's so big. That's not what's amazing. When it says, for God so loved the world, the amazing thing is that the world is so bad. And he loved the world. Because you only have to open your paper to see the world is a bad place. So God is very, very kind. He's very loving. He cares for people. He cares for people across Japan. And although we might feel, oh, it's just too much. I can't do anything about it. Do you know the longest journey has started just with one step? Meg went to, uh, to Japan. She stepped out. Nigel Measures, that we often send money to, who works down in South Africa, he was, took, took, took a, a career break from the Metropolitan Police, if I remember the story. Is that right? So he could test. He went to South Africa to, for quite a while. And then he felt, no, God is calling me here. So he came back and gave up his... Uh, career in the police service went to South Africa what, how will God lead us, what will we do, so it's not how much we do but how much we love to, we put into the doing, Mother Teresa said it's not how much we give but how much love we put into the giving, so 
just as we, we wrap here soon, I want you to, would, would you just close your eyes right now and maybe think about, would you commit to pray for Steph or commit to pray for Meg? In what other way will you engage with God's heart for the nations? Maybe right now that's not appropriate for you. I don't want to demand that it is, but it's surely if it's this much on God's heart and he loves you so much, he must love all those other dear people as well, very, very much. And how might you show interest? Maybe some country you would lay on your heart that would become a particular focus for your prayer that you would find out about, that your ears would prick up when you hear news about that country on, uh, 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 on the radio or the TV or whatever.